0: Hi, this is Cliff Crigo for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. I'm up here at Heartbreak Meadow. This is the last day of a, let's see, 17 or 18 day loop. So, listen to that. What a rude interruption. (laughs) This is totally unscripted. It's 6.30 about natural time, that's uh, what I call an a, a AK-47, a Stellar's J, just right on, I'm still seated comfortably in my base camp tent, it's fairly chilly, it's about minus 4C or so. Perfect uh, snow uh, conditions for spring skiing, what I call sugar maple snow. Um, so it got fairly cold last night, about minus eight C. So the snowpack is as hard as concrete. You will probably last that way, even at this altitude, 1400 plus, uh, till about uh, <clears throat> nine or 10 in the morning. And even after that, it'll still be pretty uh, good uh, conditions. Um, but uh, what I wanted to address uh, this morning in the dialogue circle is on the power of saying no. And as always, uh, I'm in dialogue obviously also with myself because I'll be uh, packing out uh, this morning, uh, heading down and hopefully picking up my uh, uh, bike packing uh, rig, uh, my mountain bike and trailer if nobody's walked off with it and I can't quite ski all the way out but uh, um, I'll have to uh, convert into boots and backpack at a certain point and then change over into uh, mountain bike and then bike down into a little uh, Canyon Country uh, community pick up provisions and up over a little pass and over to my wonderful shoebox office in happy eagle valley northeast oregon so look at there ah you see this is the beginning of mountain springs so you never know who's going to visit and they're all uh, this is our uh, ecotome community so a little chipper whipper a chipmunk just appeared And uh, they have been uh, uh, pretty much hibernating all winter. So they're just becoming active right now. And they can cause a lot of mischief. (laughs) But they're very curious. And they want to see what uh, I'm talking about. So when I do that, I always uh, go through a... um, It's almost a weaponization, a transition, because uh, I've been blissfully up here with horrendous, terrible conditions. Not just uh, abnormally uh, icy cold, but one storm after another. But uh, perfectly uh, as happy as a little uh, snow bunny. And uh, at a certain point, uh, it's time to go back down to the office to reprovision, repair, repair. do office work and then digital darkroom and digital recording studio and all the rest of it. And uh, the first thing I notice in doing that, see, you never know where these dialogues are going to go. It's like a journey that proceeds. A poem we compose in the walking to speak with the great Antonio Machado. Well, the first thing I prepare myself for, you can tell it takes quite a lot of gear, (laughs) that you're doing all these transitions between one mode of movement. You see that little chipmunk doesn't have to worry about. They are much, uh, they not only make an honest living up here, which I don't, um, that means that they're totally independent and free what the Germans call, wonderfully, energy autonomy. Well, they are not only energy <laughs> autonomous, but they're totally autonomous and free. don't have concepts like uh, war and pollution and all the rest of it. Well, in going down, there yeah, there he goes again, <laughs> they're just darting uh, back and forth. And there's wonderful sunshine, and i got to admit, that does fill one's heart with joy. After so many days of cloudy, it seemed like nuclear winter and climate chaos with the jet stream meandering all the way down from the north. So it's like somebody left a deep uh, freeze open. And up north, according to reports, it's the opposite. So all of this tropical air with all of that latent heat, energy, and moisture, it's been 11, 12 degrees C, that's 20 degrees Fahrenheit, uh, too warm. So we're all over the maps with weather. But what I wanted to throw into the dialogue circle is on the power of saying no. So let that sink in. On the power of saying no. So that means one puts one one's feet on the ground and says, No, I'm not going to participate. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to stop doing that. I'm not going to listen to that. I'm not going to eat this. I'm not going to support that. And it is ipso facto, an actual fact, of non uh, nonviolent resistance, regardless of how that outwardly manifests. That will be a key feature of what I wanted to explore this morning, on the power of saying no. Of course, there's nothing original and this—that's not the point. But when I do these uh, major for me transitions from one state <laughs> of being to another, just outwardly, inwardly, nothing changes. But I do prepare for it remarkably. It's like going into a storm, so I know I have to have this kind of gear. I got to make sure my boots are sealed <laughs> and ready to go, and. Uh, the first thing I prepare for is hitting the tarmac, the bitumen, that's a good word, bitch bitumen. <laughs> it's mean and ugly stuff. If you've been walking on natural ground, you see up here, um, I'm not quite in official wilderness, but in spiritual wilderness, I am firmly seated. And the key defining feature also for all my environmentalist progressive friends, is that you're totally outside of what I call hydrocarbon man culture. It's April the 18th. There's still a healthy snowpack. And there's a dirt gravel track nearby, but there's a good 40 centimeters of hard frozen snow on top. And so that shuts down not only trucks, ATVs, what I call blubber butts, but also happily uh, snow machines. Why? Because um, um, the, as the snow melts, imagine a snow cone idealized mountain Kind of a pyramid and there's a snow cone on top and say it covers one-third of the whole. And as snow melts, that snow line draws back, recedes up the mountain. So it's like you're drawing a line between white and dark brown and as the season progresses that goes up and up and up in altitude, up the mountain. In in higher ranges than where I'm sitting, for example, in the Alps, uh, historically, uh, at a certain point you hit uh, what in German is called Ewig Schnee, so eternal snow, the glaciers, and um, that's in rhythmically in and out breathing every season, every year. So that line goes up and down, up and down, and it has a very beautiful, distinctive characteristic rhythm to it. And that rhythm is radically changing, becoming uh, chaotic, and generally moving very quickly, tendency accelerating up the mountain. The most recent reports from the Alps that I read just yesterday, uh, and I think they're far too conservative, is that the Alps will be by and large snow-free by 2100. We always pick these, (laughs) these uh, multiples of 10 numbers in a lifetime will be like going to the Atlas Mountains. I've never been there, but I've had friends. It's popular with mountain bikers and trekkers. So the north of the African continent. And um, it's very dry area. It's like going to Arizona here. And that's uh, horrifying. No one can wrap their head around that. The Alps without ice. Well. And the same thing has been happening here in the Bulawas over the past uh, 100, 200 years. The line I draw in the sand is 1750, of course that's the death of Bach, it was also a a catastrophic moment in the history of Western music, where we went into deep spiritual decline in the musical arts, uh, but recovered. Uh, marvelously and uh, in Paris of the turn of the century, 20th century, with Igor Stravinsky, Edgar Berez, and all the rest, but um, preparing on the power of saying no. So packing out, I prepare for hydrocarbon man The first thing you notice is not the impenetrable brutal surface uh, that's made not for human beings but for cars of the uh, asphalt and then the noise and then the smell of the pollution you see there's none of that up here so we cannot be interrupted Everything changes, and don't take my word for it, you have to experiment with it uh, yourself. My hope and prayer is that the spirit of backpacking and alpinism and climbing, ski mountaineering, will will climate crisis uh, reawaken into not bagging peaks and have I done this or that (laughs) route or whatever, but more a spiritual discipline like yoga or alexander technique well let's pick up on that the power of saying no um, for people who don't know the alexander technique um, it's highly recommended not so much to study with a teacher uh, that uh, if you're at an institute a university a conservatory lucky enough then perhaps that's possible but it's so expensive i never recommend it <laughs> I can hear the AT teachers, I know. Um, (laughs) They're not happy with that. But um, um, it's very expensive. Um, But read uh, some of the books or watch the videos or whatever. Just uh, experiment with it because all really Alexander Technique does is say no. so there are lots of things i want to throw into this dialogue circle circle like the wonderful uh, school strike the student strike and uh, i would recommend any student just quit school altogether (laughs) come up here you would learn vastly more just learn the plants (laughs) then there's a school right downstream here that uh, i would recommend every school without the slightest hesitation take them out of the damn thing. What they're doing there is worse than worthless, being conditioned to a culture of violence. So I'm perfectly aware that's a fairly radical statement. And I'm saying it tongue-in-cheek, but only kind of. And then we have the new manifestation of extinction rebellion. But they are all Essentially, Oh, and another one, which I think is a crucial touchstone, by that I mean a, um, an issue you can test any politician, what's your view on boycott, divest, sanction, the boycotting, just like South Africa 30-some years ago when the great Nelson Mandela was still imprisoned, uh, 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 the boycott, divestment, and sanction of South Africa which had a tremendously powerful effect, and was also met with uh, almost uh, universal resistance, but only at first. But now the boycott, divest, sanction, BDS of Israel with uh, basically saying this has to stop the violence towards the Palestinian people. So I think it's a great uh, touchstone issue And all you're doing, boycott, I don't know enough of the history, but it's an interesting word, it's an eponym, it's named for a, um, it must have been a Brit doing something, uh, boycotting uh, at sea. All you're doing is drawing a line somewhere and saying, oh, we're not going any further, this is going to stop right here, right now. And that's one of its key features is that it has nothing to do with time. You do not have to buy anything, learn anything. All you have to have is the power of insight that what we are doing, what I am doing, both individually and collectively, that's crucially important, is wrong. So it's primarily saying no is always in a way an ethical, question. Ethics is only about a very simple way of saying that. Ethics is only about doing what we don't want to do. It's telling us things that we're habituated to, that are showing them to us, that are wrong. That's what the Alexander Technique, and also in a very general way, yoga is about. So the power of saying no. So here I am preparing to drop down into hydrocarbon man world. And it sounds like it's an exaggeration, but it is not. The first thing that I notice is the noise. If you were sitting here and the road were open, heaven forbid, and it will be open within, depending on weather. Yeah, where the uh, flicker is up there, and it's <laughs> it's knocking bits of um, of uh, ponderosa bark, big chips are falling on our tent here, that. power of saying no. Let's start over. There are two miniatures that I frequently repeat, so bear with me. They're sutras, they're teaching aphorisms to learn by heart. And as always in dialogue, the teacher is the taught. So they're self-remindings, like doing your yoga, The tendency is that um, we become on a, at every time level that's relevant to human beings, the tendency is that we uh, get out of tune. So the ritual of yoga and Alexander uh, Technique in... um, in the circle and the square, the poetry, music, dance project that I do is that uh, we're tuning up. That's all. And it is a daily, ever going, ever green, always uh, uh, touching base practice. It's not just once, but it's forever. And the tendency is that uh, because of our nature, the way that we live, we're being corrupted, corrupting ourselves and corrupting ourselves by the nature of the culture. So on the power of saying no. So what does the first one say? The simplest and most powerful of all possible tests is the test of doing without. Now, is that true? You can see how that's related to wilderness. Because in venturing into the wilderness up here, well, you only take what you can carry with you. Omnia mea mecum portum. All this is mine I carry with me. It's a beautiful saying. Well, everything up here is like that. Everything, without exception. We humans are the only single exception. Think of that in this community of life. We're always lugging all this gear, and I'm talking to myself too. But the discipline of carrying that on your back is fairly austere and rigorous, because at a certain point you can't lift up your pack, and while that's a very good thing So you're going to have to be saying no to yourself. Well, do I really need to take this third battery pack to keep my iPhone working? (laughs) Do I really need this camera? And then you get down to, do I need my ice this trip? Do I need my crampons? Do I need a tent? And then at a certain point you get down to things that, well, Do I need to take a cooking stove? Well, I can get by without that. And at a certain point, you're down to the beer essentials. And that is like a universal discipline of saying no. You see, this hydrocarbon man culture, I'm not asking people to give anything up I'm asking them to roll down the window, open the door, and simply step out of a prison. You will be much happier if you not only stop participating in hydro-man culture, not just get rid of your car, recycle it, Even if it's the most sophisticated Tesla-S, you are still in a prison. That means we fragment ourselves from the circle of life. Moving in a rhythm, in a tempo, It's like imagine Bach being played a hundred times too fast. Well, we're not going to hear much, are we? It'll just become a background hum. Well, that's what the circle of life becomes in a Tesla. It's just a film that's being played fast forward. So that's all well and good. It's certainly to be encouraged, we still have to have vehicles of some kind. So let's get them electric. Let's not only reduce our carbon emissions to zero, but to go carbon negative. So saying no, the simplest of all, the simplest and most powerful on the power of saying no, of all possible tests is the test of saying no. Now, is it true? Now what could we be saying no to? If we take a small circle, like I'm looking right at it. I have two, three means of cooking. I can use a natural open fire now that the snow is receded. You see, that's almost impossible to do in deep winter. I've done it. not only experimenting, but out of necessity. It's very, very difficult to do. I mean, imagine in a roaring snowstorm. You you can't find wood, you can't keep the fire going. And it's very difficult. I mean, you might in a pinch be able to survive a night, but uh, you're not gonna be out for weeks at a time. And um, there's no open water Right here, at Heartbreak Meadow, there was no open water until uh, just two weeks ago. And so, you're dependent on snow melt for your water. So if something goes wrong with your heat source, up here I'm using a passive solar to melt snow and to get water up to temperature, and uh, then there's now the possibility of an open fire, which is wonderful. And I also have a classic uh, bomb-proof uh, MSR uh, snow-melting, it's the Everest uh, stove. It has two uh, uh, temperatures, off and blowtorch, so you can't really cook very well with it. But it's made for melting snow at high altitude. And so you bring your quinoa to a boil and then take it off the stove and... Put the pan, cover it up, and put it inside your sleeping bag, and then in 15 minutes it will cook. That's how you cook everything up here. And that's luxury cooking, because that's obviously dependent on hydrocarbons, right, white gas. And if that stove breaks, you're in big trouble. So you've got to be able to fix it. I'm talking to myself. And as a uh, third alternative, for the past season, I've been experimenting with a bio stove, highly recommended. That's the one that's about the size of a fat beer can, that with the heat differential, you burn wood in a little cup, aluminum cup. It's very small, um, but burns about, remarkably, and this is not an exaggeration, 95% efficient because it has a... Uh, a whirlwind fan with four different speeds. I call mine Emerson, the much will have more (laughs) because you always want to push the button to get the fan uh, hotter. And you have to keep feeding it with little pencil size uh, pieces of wood, Um, which in winter are hard to come by. But because I'm doing so much photography of dead and dying forest, there is a lot of dead wood around, and I've been, for the past couple months, been cooking with wonderful uh, dry uh, wood from aspen groves. There's a major dieback, largely because of a hotter, drier climate. So saying no. So I could say, well, I'm going to be totally free of hydrocarbons. Now, I've tried to do that, and it is just ex. Extremely, if not impossible, difficult. I challenge anybody to do it. I mean, if that, uh, if the, and this could happen tomorrow, say there's, heaven forbid, a new war. There are a lot of people around, I don't know if you've noticed, that want to start new wars everywhere. We'll be talking about that in a moment. Saying no to war, yes, that's a much bigger circle, isn't it? But saying no to harbing, like hydrocarbons, they're definitely related, right? That's where ethics comes in and says, Cliff, I know it's difficult. This is the goddess of ethics. I know it's difficult, but get your ass free of hydrocarbons. So cook with that biohide. So I'm doing my best, I'll say. I'm doing my best. (laughs) And then it's snowing. I'm out of wood. The tent is full of smoke. And I feel like I'm smoking three packs of Lucky Strikes a day <laughs> just trying to make a cup of coffee from snow. <laughs> and you can't get the damn thing started. <laughs> so it's much more difficult in a closed base camp tent like uh, what I'm sitting in to do that. But it's a wonderful thing because the heat differential, and that's science, right? That's why those kids in the school down valley should just quit the damn school and go on permanent strike. The culture here and everywhere in North America that has assumed power with this denial of science. It's breathtaking that we let them get away with it, that we are not represented by anything that is powerful enough to stop the insanity of denying fact. It's breathtaking. So that is the power of saying no. Well, the differential of this little stove generates electricity. So it charges its own fan, it's genius. And it also has a five volt output to charge the device that I'm recording with right now. If I want to, of course. Of course, we much prefer the miracle of solar panels. <laughs> Anyone who has discovered that for themselves says, why the hell are we burning all this poison? you got to be awfully stupid to believe uh, the uh, Koch brothers. I mean, you got to be awfully stupid. <laughs> that takes a good 20 years of Rush Limbaugh and Fox News. I mean that conditioning has to be all the way down to the, the bottom of your, the feet of your the soles of your feet to believe that nonsense that that's somehow now necessary. But like I always say, solar will replace oil as easily. Digital cameras replaced their analog counterparts. Why? Because digital is better and every single way. Don't try to be too precise, all you old Kodachrome fans. So it will just happen. And there are a lot of people trying to stop it. But really, not very many. We'll get back to that. So the power of saying no. So there are my three things. In Lady Ethics, the goddess of ethics says, Cliff, use that bio. So I'm doing my best with my bio light. And it's, you can see why you don't want to do it because it's an, order, it's, a, it's an order of magnitude, at least 10 times more difficult in terms of what we think of as time. But it's a very strange way of being, measuring. Our time sickness. I'm preparing for that too. Up here, I'm in natural time. I refuse to do this spring forward and fall back. Why? Because phenological time, the exact moment things happen, is crucially important. And nothing up here is spring forward and falling back. And uh, I beg your pardon, uh, noon is dead south, right? So I want to have that reference. So going back into hydrocarbon man culture, I noticed that, well, gee, everybody's got this different time thing going on, and time is measured, and if you're not uh, doing the, if you're just sitting there, like sitting and talking, like I am now, down at my office, if I were doing that out in front of my office, people would be roaring past with their $50,000 diesel pickups, one after the other, It's just a little ranching community, but but nobody walks. Everybody's on some sort of tractor, huge pickups, (laughs) ATVs, just roaring. It's the noisiest place I've ever lived in. There are only 100 people. (laughs) Totally filled with the smell of hydrocarbon pollution and within, it's probably already started, uh, the smell of this despicable smell of fertilizer and passing out pesticides, herbicides at the village park for free. (laughs) Drink the cooling. (laughs) It's total, in my view, insanity. But I would be sitting there doing this recording of it, and what the hell is that, son of a... It's a complete and utter waste of time. I should be digging a ditch somewhere, (laughs) doing something to make myself useful. In the Alps, it's not all that much better. Because anything that's not physical labor that you don't want to do is for the Protestant little crippled mind, with all due respect, not that the Catholics or Mormons or any damn iota better. It's all being questioned here in our dialogue tape. I don't want to be politically correct. We're laughing. Is that what you're doing is worthless. Right? It has no value. So you're worthless. Just a vagrant. Get the hell out of the way. That's hydrocarbon man culture. So violence. Now there's a much bigger circle than our cooking stove. Although it's directly resonant. Directly related. So that makes us stop, doesn't it? And don't forget Ethics is only about doing things we don't want to do. Like I always say, you only need one saying, first do no harm, prima non nocere. Okay, now that's a very simple, clear, pristine non-violence. And yet this hydrocarbon man culture is the very essence of violence. A whole empire has been created to secure that oil. So see the potential for infinitely subtle and many contradictions. Say you're a rabbi and you're discussing nonviolence. And you're driving to where you're going to be talking to your people. And then suddenly you have an insight. Ah, that's what that saying is about. The simplest and most powerful of all possible tests is the test of doing without. And what's so powerful about that is that it has absolutely nothing to do with time. You see, the UN has come out with another report and they've become much more radical, but only relatively, uh, saying that we have, uh, well, now it's almost 11 years. And so now we've set this down <laughs> that uh, I'm laughing because these people, they're utterly crazy <laughs> that uh, That's a part of the thing that caused the problem in the first place. My own view is just pick up the thread of violence and don't let it go. And Lady Ethics, the goddess of ethics, is watching that what she's watching is that we don't sidestep because it's difficulty, it's difficult contradiction. She's watching that like a hawk. So that's a kind of self-delusion, self-deception. We're living inside a massive culture of delusion, self-deception. That's why those kids further downstream, if they just walked out the door and slammed and said, baby, this has nothing to do with learning. It's such a lie. Even if you were just doing the arts. It's a total lie. So there we are. You can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know. That's F.M. Alexander. Well, that's true. So I'm listening to that. I say, yes, that's true. I've got it. The simplest and most powerful of all possible tests is a test of doing without. And I'm listening I say, ah, yes, that's true. And I'm not trying to convince anybody of anything. It's about, it's not about giving up. It's about liberation. In the simplest and most powerful sense. That's what Thoreau meant when he said, simplify, simplify. Now, what were they giving up? Emerson and Thoreau, Margaret Fuller, Elizabeth Peabody, Amos Bronson Alcott, Louisa May Alcott, Walt Whitman. Emily Dickinson, Frederick Douglass, what were they giving up? What were they saying no to? Well, first and foremost, they were questioning the whole of Christianity. Because all of a sudden, world spirituality, not religion, not organized religion, world, religion, spirituality burst upon the stage. Why? Because of books. Emerson had, I think it was, Thoreau had Emerson's copy of the Bhagavad Gita with him at Walden Pond. There's a marvelous, highly recommended coda that uh, is in the English translation made by Barbara Stoller-Miller of the Gita*, about uh, the Transcendentalist in the spiritual revolution created by simply taking the circle of awareness and widening to embrace the whole of the great Eastern tradition. Those miracles in the Bible, well, gee, that's just, they weren't true. They're speaking metaphorically. Well, 150, 200 years ago, that could be the end of your career, if not being burned at the stake. There are a lot of people who do not want you to say no about the things to which they are most attached. And there's always going to be this collective, this dynamic between the individual and the collective. Like Thoreau said, a majority of one who's standing his or her ground for truth. So number one was the meaning of spirituality and first and foremost, the relationship with the cosmos, with the earth, with the universe that God is everywhere, within, without. So you can see the Atman Brahman becoming self-evident to them as a revelation. Good God! And then relationship with each other. The one that the oligarchs who pinned the United States Declaration of Independence and Constitution could not resolve with slavery. The only one, majority of one, who stood his ground for truth was the great Thomas Paine. He's the only one who said, well, look, we either have democracy for all or democracy for none which is true. But you can't do something you don't know if you keep on doing what you know and baby, everything depended on slavery and they knew it. Just as everything depends on hydrocarbons now and we know it and don't wanna know it. So that was a great spiritual revolution of the transcendentalist, asking the most difficult questions. And it's always going to come down to right action with regard to nonviolence. And there's nothing original in that. That's the basic insight of the two competing spiritualities of Gautama Buddha in the Jains. The Jains went the way of total radical nonviolence, ahimsa, which had such a powerful influence on Mahatma Gandhi, and therefore later on Dr. King. That the only really principle we need in ethics is nonviolence. First, do no harm. And it gets difficult the more subtle the violence becomes. So the power of saying no. The second little sutra or saying is that the simplest and most powerful of all possible freedoms. They're listening. That's that little sapsucker. What a drummer. The simplest and most powerful of all possible freedoms is the freedom to stop doing regardless of the short-term difficulties thereby encountered, that which is contradictory or wrong. So the first one is the test. You see it for yourself. The teacher is the taught. No authority, no book. You're learning in that poem we make in walking. And then you say, I got it. I'm getting rid of that goddamn car. I'm gonna walk. And if I can't get there walking, I'm not going there. I'm getting rid of all this meat barbed wire culture. I don't need it. At least 20% of climate chaos is caused by the side effects, just the side effects of meat dominant culture. Let alone all that just be simple. There are many, many other reasons why. There are a hundred million acres of soybean and corns just in North America to feed to animals. It's totally ethically irresponsible. Let alone I mean, you're wasting 90 percent of the energy. It's just going up into smoke. let alone of all the chemicals, the pollution, let alone what it's doing to our bodies into the living earth. So when you say, Aha! Uh-huh, vegan. I got it! The first and most powerful of all possible tests is a test of doing without. So just do it. And you do it instantly. It has nothing to do with time. There is a spiritual ethical transformation that happens outside of time and it's irreversible. You might be tempted to fall back, but the insight is irreversible. Stepping out of the car and all of a sudden you can breathe, you can hear, you start to get your legs back, you start to get your rhythm back, your speech rhythms maybe you'll start to talk less loudly lots of people will take and i warn them they'll take one of my I'll, I'll take a talk like this burn it on a cd for those that aren't digitally challenged or whatever and they'll put it in their car and they'll listen to it right close friends <laughs> and of course the roar of the car is even if it's a uh uh, a Tesla, which most listeners <laughs> cannot afford, is so loud that anything in music you would say below 80 or 90 decibels, you wouldn't be able to hear anyway. So all the silences are falling into, it just totally distorts sound. And most people listen to, that's how you get... of of rap and all the other kind of commercial uh, degenerate musical forms with all due respect, that's where it comes from. It's all being, it's not being played with this ecotone silence, which is so healing. So the first and most powerful test is the Test of doing without. We see that's where the great John Cage was totally wrong. As in, with his how, with all due respect, this Hollywood zin <laughs> that the movie stars and musicians are attracted to. It's Hollywood because it's not, it's not doing the hard work of doing without. It's projecting an image of peace and meditation and playing from emptiness and all that kind of nonsense. This is just pure projection. It's not looking at the fact that we're not playing from emptiness. So there's John Cage uh, with the great Frank Schaefer that in the I think it's in that documentary talking, listening to the roar of New York City behind him. He said, "Well, we have to get used to all this car noise." And it becomes a kind of music, right? Well, that's not true. Because come out here for a month or two, and you'll start to discover what that kind of very violent noise pollution does to our energetic spiritual being. It's highly corruptive, corrosive, toxic, just like polluted water. There's no difference, so just be simple. So we're tossing out John Cage there, with all due respect, we don't need it. It's not true. You feel a pressure fall away from you, but it will take weeks. But all, all of these sounds that we're hearing on this ecotone in this beautiful April morning, They're just happening. There's nothing coming in. Once you come down, and again, I'm preparing myself, we want to bring this dialogue circle to a close. So we'll start sounding out here. So I'm preparing myself to go down into hydrocarbon man culture. And again, it's the smell, it's the sound, it's the brutality of it. If you want to meditate on North American culture, you don't have to join Extinction Rebellion. Just walk! (laughs) If you walk from here to New York City, it will be a total spiritual transformation i guarantee you it cannot be otherwise you will see the utter indifference to the brutality of western north american culture that is what the earth suffers every day a total ind- it's not just violent it's a total indifference to the violence get the hell out of the way and of course You can laugh. It's utterly self-destructive. It will destroy itself 100% certainty. But the problem is, is it'll take down everything else as well. So the power of saying no. The simplest and most powerful test is the test of doing without The simplest and most powerful freedom is the freedom to stop doing what is contradictory and wrong. So one of my teaching aphorisms is that liberation triangle. Get rid of the damn car. Step out of hydrocarbon culture. If you call yourself a musician and are still dependent on cars, watch out, baby, because I can guarantee you, you have absolutely no sense of natural sound and natural rhythm. Full stop. That's just logic. Don't take my word for it. You have to do the test yourself. And if you're conditioned to it, it will take years to free yourself but it is the journey of a lifetime. So that is saying no. See the power, I don't need anybody. No political party, I need no money, nothing. I just say no. I stop with this violence. I stop with the meat and barbed wire culture. I stop with commercial media telling me what is good music. Telling me what is good photography. Telling me what I need to go backpacking. I stop with the whole damn thing. And that, you know, there's a kind of liberation. But it's not for free. And one can do it completely and utterly alone. In the sense that Jiddu Krishnamurti used that word, all one, he would have a sidekick, David Bohm, with him. And in the marvelous dialogue, real dialogue, they would start to go into the privilege of looking at the roots of words, all one alone. Of course, didn't why didn't I see that? All one in being alone together. You see that's what the transcendentalists couldn't solve. They did not solve the problem of violence. It took a war to begin the shutting down of racism, but just the beginning the most brutal part of it. But when one sees the root cause of racism that is not out there, Uh ah, we're getting attacked here. That must be a ground squirrel. Can't quite see it. They're telling us it's about time to stop. The root cause of racism is in skin color. It's the destructive, divisive nature of thought itself that's a question. I wrongly divide myself from the world. Everything other, I either ignore or fear or seek to control or destroy. So we're going very carefully following the thread see, this is the transcendentalists didn't have this. They came very close. Everything other, I attempt to control or destroy. The geometry of life is not two guns pointed at each other. It's a circle. You see, when I go down into hydrocarbon, man, boom, instantly, I'm in a culture of two guns pointed at each other, instantly. It's what I call red hat, brown shirt, attack dog culture. It dominates everything out in rural North America now. 20, 30 years of Fox News and attack, hate radio. People are totally immersed in it. And so there's no awareness in that school where the kids should just shut the door, I'm getting the hell out of here. The first thing that they should be learning is what we're talking about. Becoming aware of our ignorance of the most important things, of violence, of the very nature, the divisive nature of thought and thinking itself. And in doing that, the violence goes, it just stops. The geometry of life is a circle where all brothers and sisters, you and I, the rock, the river, the tree, the sky, Our war against nature, against ourselves, only ends with a revolution of thought in consciousness. That's the biggest circle we're saying no to. Our war against nature. You see, that's where the Extinction Rebellion In the school strike kids, they haven't come to that point yet. That the real problem is thought and consciousness. It's not just out there, it is out there. I was thinking, and we'll end with that, there are only just a handful of human beings and all they are is manifestations of a demonic energy. So the individuals are not relevant, but it's a manifestation of an energy. It's like an, I was thinking, it's like an invasive, native invasive, very toxic weed that manifests in a consciousness. And it can happen right here, right now to me. That's how a spirit goes wrong. There's no way that I can become incorruptible, right? It's like an instrument that, well, it'll never go out of tune. No. You're always tuning and retuning and ever watchful. It's like walking in a very sharp line in the high mountains that every step you're watching are very carefully. There are only a handful of these that's manifesting in a handful of human beings. So we must say no to the Koch brothers. To the Donald Trumps, to the Pelosi's, to the Chuck Schumer's, to the Netanyahu's, to the, see I'm mixing up the politicians in the hydrocarbon, I'm using hydrocarbon cultural authoritarians, the Robert Mercer. Evil, 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 evil. The Rupert Murdoch. Just one human being has caused perhaps irreparable harm. Totally devastated cultural Australia and North America. Why is it not possible to make that illegal? first and foremost to say no to that not the human being just, it's an energy that's gone totally haywire that's gone totally wrong with compassion right, they're in the circle of life as well they're all brothers and sisters too, but have gone mighty wrong So the rebellion is right here, right now. When I end the violence, my own violence, it changes the world. We're not just interconnected. It really is all one. Okay, thanks for listening. This is Cliff, signing off for the picture-poems.com website in the circle and the square. If you want to see what I'm working on up here right now, it's not just the SoundCloud stuff is interesting. I was just putting out a, uh, that's what we should be talking about, the wonderful salt and pepper lomatiums. They're just coming out this morning. and. Ah... Uh, there's so so much beauty up here. Um, go to picture-poems.com slash and you'll see the new slide uh, talk slideshow. It's what I'll be doing this summer. Uh, even showing it now in the wilderness, some 400 plus uh, photos of some of the most beautiful country in the universe. Okay, thanks for listening. This is Cliff signing off. Ciao for now.